entrepreneurs, both immigrants in the United States. I want to welcome to Equal Footing, Chris Jones. Chris Jones is a hospitality entrepreneur. He's created projects all over the world, including co-founding several hotel brands. He splits his time between London and New York. He's a graduate of the University of Sheffield and the College of Estate Management in the United Kingdom. He was a former partner in the international real estate firm Jones Lang LaSalle. Welcome, Chris. We also have with us Ricardo Sidale, who is a technology entrepreneur who founded, founded and sold his first software company when he was in his 20s. He's gone on to become one of the pioneers in the field of streaming music and streaming video. Ricardo calls himself a lifetime learner. Ricardo has degrees from a Texas A&M, Syracuse University, Instituto Brasileiro de Mercado de Capitais, testing my Portuguese accent. He's founded businesses in several countries. He, ha he lives with his wife, Leslie, and their children, Maya and Luca, in Austin, Texas. Welcome, Ricardo. Thank you, Doug. Glad to be here. So let's do a let's do a quick sound check because this is the first week that due to logistics and everything that's going on, we're in fully remote mode. So we've got Chris in the UK, Ricardo's in Texas, I'm here in New York. Uh so Chris, can you hear us? Well, it sounds like we're having an audio difficulty with Chris. So we're going to dive in with you, Ricardo, and hopefully we can, we can, we can figure that out. So we've, I've known both of you for, you know, for quite a, some time in different contexts. You obviously come from different perspectives as entrepreneurs, as immigrants. You know, when we were having a little bit of our pregame on the show, Ricardo, I hope you don't mind me saying you, you were saying that, you know, Chris, I'm, 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 I'm putting a couple words in your mouth here, but that Chris is kind of, you know, not your, not your, uh, put upon entrepreneur in the U.S., but rather kind of entrepreneurial, or immigrant royalty, right? Because he's, you know, comes from the U.K. and speaks the Queen's English and so forth. And folks like you and I, we have a little bit darker skin tone, 
you know, I'm sure you, like I did, had a difficulty on the census figuring out what do I put in? Am I, am I white? Am I Latino? Who I put in? Where do I put Jewish? Or what's the, you know, all the, the dynamics that we deal with ethnically in this country, but also, uh, you as a first generation entrepreneur, myself as a first generation immigrant, I should say, and myself as a, a child of two immigrant parents. So there are sorts of different perspectives here on the line. We're going to take the gloves off and talk about some of the myths that exist around what it means to be an immigrant in the United States. Uh, myths exist around how difficult it is and also how dreamy it is. You know, this is the land of opportunity, it's stylized that way, but often it doesn't feel like that uh, for someone that's, that's, uh, that's coming in and, and disadvantaged. I'm not talking just in terms of undocumented uh, immigration, but even as a as a fully legal immigrant, you're sometimes behind the eight balls we've spoken about. Ricardo, let me let me start off with uh, a little bit of I hope you won't mind a little bit of a hardball question. Why do you deserve to be on a show like this, talking about the immigrant experience in the U.S. when you are highly educated, you came in with business experience? capital, et cetera. Are you, are you really an immigrant? <laughs> I mean, we know you have an accent. We're going to hear it in a moment. But, you know, should we even think about someone like you as an immigrant? Yeah, Doug. Again, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, honored to be here, talk you know, to, to Chris and, and your listeners. And uh, my answer to you is uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. I have earned my right you know, to be here, uh, I, uh, you know, there is a uh, maybe a perception of um, of an immigrant of someone that's actually leaving a situation of hardship to find an easier life in another country, and that is probably the biggest misconception of them all. You know, uh, and yes, the last time I moved to the United States, it was uh, I believe 2000 and. In, in, in seven, uh, with my family, uh, uh, was just one, one chapter of many, many years, uh, going back and forth doing business, uh, with the goal of becoming, uh, an American citizen. You know, it took me, uh, you know, 47 years before, uh, I became a citizen. It took me, uh, I, you know, I was not, uh, born successful. Uh, in fact, I was, my father was a, uh, is an immigrant. Uh, he came from uh, uh, Italy post-war with basically the clothes in his, uh, that he was wearing and, and a couple of bucks, and uh, he made his life in Brazil. Uh, he was 17, and coincidentally, the first time that I left Brazil for school for to start my educational process, I was also 17, and I came uh, through a scholarship without which I would not have been able to uh, to start that process. So, yeah, absolutely. I deserve to be here, and thanks for having me. <laughs> well, when I think, and, and we'll get into a little bit of our personal backgrounds, I, I, I have a very, you know, strange, my full name is Kalel Dovisasa Tuzman, so it's a mouthful. I definitely look the part of an immigrant, but when I open my mouth, I probably betray the fact that I was born here in the United States. But I get the immigrant experience because, you know, my mom spoke Yiddish as a child in the home. My dad's Spanish. They both, you know, came from overseas. And, and it's, uh, so I feel like I've got a little bit of a foot in both worlds. The, 
I think of the immigrant in the United States, and I think most most people right now in the political dialogue think of that person as a a migrant worker working on a farm, someone who's a, a waiter at a restaurant, working at a car wash, trying to make it work, undocumented, uh, coming in. And unfortunately, as I don't think this is necessarily true, but there's a uh, an idea that there that folks are living off the dole uh, and and taking American jobs and so forth. Does it bother you to be classified as part of that demographic, Ricardo? No, I, 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 I love to be an immigrant, but it does bother me that we have this uh, misconception about, you know, what immigrants are. I mean, we're, we're, we're not the same, right? There, there are millions of us. So the, the divisions go vertically and horizontally. I mean, you have uh, people that come here for, to, to study. You have people that come here that are, are migrants from, like you mentioned, from, from, from Central America and Mexico. You have people that come from Asia for their, you know, for, for their skills. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and so that's one, that's one side of it. Uh, then you have the nationalities themselves. I mean, it's, uh, you know, being an immigrant in the United States is probably the only place in the world where you would put the, you know, people from, you know, I don't know, from, from people from Japan in the same group, right? So I think it's a little bit of a, uh, I think we lack in educating, uh, the, the country, the, the world, the locals, if you will, uh, that this is not that simple. There's many shades. The beauty about being an immigrant, the beauty about being in the United States is you have all of these shades of colors. There's not enough names of, of colors for you. It's like a, uh, you know, it's a Pantone, uh, you know, if you ever use one of those things, it's like a Pantone book of how many, how many colors. And in a culture of immediate information where people take 10 seconds to read, you know, news, when they take two seconds to make an opinion, you know, to, to, to read a, a, a Instagram and, and, and issue an opinion about something, yeah, it's, 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 it's very difficult. So, you know, it's, we are classified as this huge nation of the same while we're very, very different. We should celebrate and understand that diversity. Chris, I think we've got you now back on on the line. Can you hear me? We're we're still having audio difficulties with with Chris as uh, overseas. So, Ricardo, you're gonna you're gonna shoulder the burden now. You're gonna have to hear a, 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 a t- another tough question. And, I, and I'm sorry to to sound like I'm harp point. I think it's at really at the center of the political debate around around immigration. I get the Pantone comment. I get, as a person of color myself, I'm, I'm Hispanic, I'm also Jewish, but I'm, I'm many things, but I am Hispanic from a, a census perspective. And, you know, I get the the melting pot comment, you know, the, the rainbows and butterflies, as the friend puts it, but now it doesn't feel like the time now feels like a time where we're in the, you know, arguably the, the greatest economic downturn since the Great Depression. We've got restricted travel. We have a paucity of good jobs in the U.S. Um, if, if you could put on the hat of a non-immigrant, I know you're an American citizen now, so if you put on maybe, maybe you don't need to put on another hat. If you think about it from 
from an, an American perspective, uh, embracing what we've got, why should we be continuing to have a relatively open border policy? Why should we be encouraging immigration? Given, yeah, we're having real audio difficulties. I hope Ricardo, you can you can still hear me. You heard that question. Yeah, I, I uh, let me. I, I think I did. Okay, so why do we uh, keep an open border? Because that's what built this country, right? So, and I'm, I'm not, you know, forget the, you know, rainbow and all that. What built this country uh, was the, the flux of immigrants, and, and better yet. The, the diversity of immigrants, you know, different immigrants at different historical phases brought different skills that we need. If you look at today, you know, the largest corporations in America today, that the, the largest high-tech corporations, which are, you know, most of the value of the new of, of, of the stock market in, in in the world, they're all headed by by immigrants or or or, or, or sons and, and 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 daughters of immigrants. So it's uncontested that we need to keep the borders open. Now, it's also uncontested. I think it's obvious that, you know, uh, you know 10 years ago, we had this wonderful, uh, you know, melting uh, pot of, uh, of, 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 of a nation, and now I think the pot itself is melting, right? So we've we got to rush to rescue that, and part of that is rescuing by providing, you know, uh, to renew our immigration policy to provide uh, an Expedious ways for for I know I, I I I'm not sure I that word belong here but to provide justice for the system on who comes in and why and and so on and so forth it seems like we're stuck <coughs> we're stuck in the preconceptions and prejudice of of the past and it's keeping us to advancing to our future. Okay, so the two of you, Chris and Ricardo, you're I, I brought you on the show in in part to give a different perspective on what it actually means to be an immigrant. You guys are both, you have created dozens, if not hundreds, perhaps even thousands of jobs over your careers in the United States. Um, you're in many respects fully embedded in the, in the fabric, the political fabric, the, the, uh, the cultural, the business fabric here. Uh, do you think that that's, that's an obligation, and maybe, Chris, if, if you're back with us, I apologize, we've had these audio difficulties. Is that an obligation as someone that is, is coming to the U.S. and kind of making good here to integrate, to be a part of the local political discussion, to try to kind of leave behind, if you will, where they, where they came from? Do you, do you think in a certain sense that's part of what makes immigration in this country work? Yeah, I do. Um, can you? Uh, sorry, Ricardo. Um, I, I think I think it's a balance. Does I think it's about providing um, the country with the benefits of uh, of different cultures, of different perspectives, of relationships, um, friendships um, that in many many respects have an economic ripple. And a, um, what I call a friendship ripple. Um, many of the relationships that, that you know I formed over the years, you know, still last long and last long through friendship. Um, but it's also about integrating with uh, the the culture of the place that you uh, you know 
that invited you in and that you make home. And I think that that balance is um, is beneficial to both the individual, to society, um, and and encourages other people um, to make that leap. Well. I think that you guys are bringing, hopefully changing some listeners' perspective of what it actually means to be an immigrant. I think right now in the political dialogue, like I said earlier, we think of immigration as undocumented. We think of it as taking American jobs. We're going to get back into that subject. We're going to take a break. We have a, uh, you can call in and ask Chris or Ricardo uh, any questions you want, as, uh, as hard-hitting as you want, on this topic of Whose land is this anyway? Immigration in contemporary America. Our number is 718-303-9090. That's 718-303-9090. If you're shy about being live on the air, you can also text me a question, which I'll look at on the breaks, 917-428-4062. That's 917-428-4062. To text a question, we'll be right back on equal footing. It's everywhere I look from Las Vegas to right here. Equal Footing with Dove Tusman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. You're back on Equal Footing with Dove Tusman. My esteemed guests, Chris Jones, calling in from London, the United Kingdom. Ricardo Sidale, calling in from Austin, Texas. Two successful entrepreneurs who have made it as immigrants in the United States. We're talking about the immigrant experience. Uh, you know, what? how has it changed? And let, I want to come back to what we were talking about right before the break about jobs and undocumented immigration. You, I'm, I shouldn't even make this assumption. Chris and Ricardo, you both came to the United States legally originally as part of a documented immigration process, correct? Correct. Uh, yes. Um, this is Ricardo. I, I, absolutely. And, and let me comment that. But before I go into that, I want to go back to the integration point because I think that's, that's something close to my heart and something that I felt 
for years now as I became closer and eventually an American citizen, is I don't think we, you know, as immigrants have an obligation to integrate or to accept the culture uh, as it is, but certainly we have an obligation not to isolate and try to impose our culture or to, or to gather in, you know, tribes, if you will, and, and, and try to recreate our countries and our culture over here. I think the idea of integrating needs to be natural and needs to be exploratory because that's how our culture today, and when I say our, I do American, I'm talking about American culture, that's how it was formed. Okay? Uh, on the, on the illegal matter, it's just to, to go back to, to the subject now, uh, yeah, I think that hurts us. And, and I think, again, it's not, it's not the, I don't think it's, it's the fault of the person that's crossing the Rio Grande right now uh, because that's probably, you know, in, in, in his mind, he understands that's, that's the only way to go or it's the way to go, but it is wrong. It, 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 it makes things more difficult. It brands the, the whole immigrant experience in a way that, we, that I don't like to, you know, to be branded. Uh, also, it, it's, it, you know, we should point that again to policy and, and politics. We need to update the immigration so that, that people do have a fair chance to come in. And, yes, people that come in need to go to, to some sort of due process, and that's complicated, and it should be, because immigration is a complicated matter. But to be fair, and, I, and I, for those of you who have been listening to the show for, for a while, you know, you know I have a libertarian streak, so I'll play the advocacy role here. We need low-cost labor. I mean, you guys are both business people. You've built businesses. Chris, I hope you don't mind me putting you on the spot. As being a hotelier, you know, I'm sure you've had undocumented workers over time, you know, working uh, in your hotels. If you don't feel comfortable talking about that, I'm, I'm sure you could refer to it in the industry at large. I mean, there are a number of industries that are, that are built on low-cost, often unregulated or less regulated labor that makes our country work. So isn't there a role for, isn't, it, isn't this a kind of supply meeting demand? Isn't this in a certain sense, the, it's, although it seems messy and we don't like to talk about people coming in on an undocumented basis and then, you know, that, that whole topic is, is very, um, very peaked for people Maybe it should be this way. I mean, maybe we, we do need a stream of low-cost labor. Chris, is it, isn't your industry, the hotel business, kind of dependent on undocumented immigrants? Yeah, and I, I think that's probably true for many, many industries. Um, and, and, and maybe there is the, is the divergence between my, my personal um, belief and the industry that I happen to work in and, and uh, I love working in. Um, my personal belief is having abided by all the rules and gone through all of the lengthy processes and the expense and, um, you know, an, an AIDS test to prove that I didn't have AIDS to become immunized in the United States and all of those things that, that, that I've been through from financial proof tests that they're all normal um, and you know several several years of process uh, legal expense uh, travel uh, to the to the 
U.S. Embassy in the U.K. to do all of that. Um, you know, it, it, and I, by, by, I'm not, by no means unique in that experience. Most people go through that process. There is, um, there is a, a dichotomy here, which, on the one hand, that's my experience, which, um, which everybody abides by, and then, and then you have the other side of it, where you have folks who don't necessarily go that route, and um, you know, so so personally, I don't agree with that, but it's also a reality of um, of America's bet, and America has has bet to a large extent on um, you know on a, on a on a certain um, on a certain type of immigration. Uh, that has been tremendously successful, but doesn't necessarily follow those rules. So, historically, the point has been made, Chris, that the United States actually has a lower index, a lower ratio of undocumented or illegal immigration today that it has at virtually any moment in its in its history, or at least its recorded history on the subject back to the uh, early part of the of the nineteenth century. So while you know I've heard you both say effectively you don't agree with undocumented integration or you don't think someone should should you know go that route although you understand it, again, I'm making a I, I'm testing with both of you a stronger argument even than it might sound, which is I think we may need that. We may actually need undocumented immigration, immigration, because if someone's documented, they're subject to minimum wage laws or some to health care, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, other other programs. Some of them do are accessible to undocumented immigrants. Many are not. And in a sense, I'm not. I'm making a, not making a value judgment about it. I'm just saying we may actually, as an economic system, need that. And I'm asking you both to be very. Candid, maybe you disagree, but in your, in your experience, in your industries, have you not relied upon undocumented, you know, low-wage, relatively unregulated labor? I, I wouldn't say necessarily relied. I think it's a fact of, of life, and, and I have no problem with, with that as a policy. Um, I, I, guess, I guess where my... Um, my conflict comes from is that that's either your policy and it's a level playing field for everybody, which is okay. Which is okay. That, that's a perfectly acceptable policy. And if you, if you choose to govern and, and lead and be elected by that policy, then that's perfectly acceptable. Um, but where I think my uh, personal conflict comes in is it, it is unfair, um, you know, for somebody you know, who works for the Financial Times in the UK um, to be scrutinised on every single aspect of their life um, and yet not apply that level playing field as a standard throughout, you know, America's immigration policy. Um, and and maybe, maybe there is... Um, Maybe there is a middle ground there that, that, that for political reasons, um, you know, past um, presidents of, of, and, and um, 
and, and, and folks who lead that that dialogue have been um, been reluctant to engage in, um, and, and I think that is probably the solution, Dove, which is kind of where you're where, where you're hinting at. Um, but but you know when you don't have a level playing field and when you are applying one rule for one and another for another, no matter what society you're in, that's always a recipe for disaster. Yeah, so, I, uh, do you agree? Do you think that's the question? Yeah, I, I agree with that, but I, let me add a, let me add another angle to this, which I think is, uh, uh, you know, I, I think the fact that uh, illegal immigration is so big and it's so obvious that we need to legalize it to a certain level because we do need those workers. Imagine California without those workers. Imagine, you know, some other parts of the country without those workers. So, it, it you know, given the fact that we are, we're a very intelligent nation, I think, in, in, in the aggregate. Uh, the only thing I can figure out is, is the illegality actually is desirable, right? The system wants the illegality. I mean, I, if I was, you know, if I am an illegal immigrant, I'm going to put that, I'm going to vest myself with that identity right now. I want to work. I will work for less. I work for cash. I, I don't have the rights to do for anything, and I don't mind. I don't. I can't vote, and I don't mind. I, you know, I, I may live in the shadows, uh, and so on and so forth, because I am illegal. So I have to contend with all of those, you know, horrible, you know, uh, violations of human rights uh, uh, that come with being illegal. So you know, the only the only thing that I I, I, I fathom about, you know, I, I, I understand about this, or I can I can figure that out, is that there's an interest. There's an interest to have those people, those tens of millions of illegal aliens uh, in the U.S. to be quote unquote exploited as cheap labor, as inexpensive labor. Right, exploited. Although one can make the argument. That it's not only consensual, but you know, it's a it's a better it's a better situation than where people are are coming from. You guys are also exceptional, right? I mean, not only have you both fully integrated uh, into, like I was talking about, the cultural and the business fabric here, created a lot of jobs. You're also you know daring in ways that I think uh, isn't always true for people that are born here. And I want to I want to touch on that because I've seen this bias exists within the immigrant community. I, again, I said I'm the child of, of, uh, of immigrants on both sides, effectively, and the bias that exists, I assume that, you know, we're not behind closed doors, we're on, uh, we're on the radio, but we were behind closed doors, we, we joke about the fact that immigrants are kind of more, as they say in Spanish, palante, like more, have more drive, you know, stuff done when others, you know, can't necessarily do it, start businesses when, you know, your, your uh, natural-born American will um, not have the same initiative. It, you know, there are so many studies that show the ratio of immigrants that are small business owners is much higher. The, the ratio of second-generation immigrants who graduate from college is much higher, actually, than natural-born Americans. They get a fascinating you know, statistic. So in a certain sense, you know, there's this exceptionalism, I think, for someone that actually has the chutzpah, the guts to leave where they're from, to travel across vast you know, tracts of land or ocean, and to make a totally new start off in a new language that translates into an exceptional, an exceptionalism. 
is that is that right? Do you guys see yourselves as exceptional? Do you see yourselves as kind of uh, with more drive and more ambition and more capacity than the than the actual next to you? Uh, Dove, we got uh, a lot uh, of I yeah, this is, this is Ricardo. You take that because that's, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I mentor startups as, uh, as part of my life, you know, just two or three at, at the time and so on. And I can safely tell you that I was my first startup because when I decided that I was going to, you know, immigrate, you know, immigrate or, or start my international career, I wanted to grow and, and, and I could not do that in my, in my home country. Uh, that was very similar to the drive that I see today of people that basically, you know, uh, put everything they've got from, from money to time to even relationships to start into a dream of their own. You know, so every immigrant, as far as I'm concerned, has that. And so every immigrant it's, it is his or her own startup when they decide to start the process. Yeah. Chris, I, I remember having a, a, a yeah. Sorry, I was just. You might be embarrassed to say it, but I was thinking about you know I was talking about exceptionalism, how you were counting a story where uh, you like knocked on Billy Joel's door, like literally, not figured, like knocked on his door in Sag Harbor because he needed to get something done for business or charity or whatever. It ended up you know creating a relationship with him and having a glass of wine. I mean, I, I, I somehow feel, and again, maybe it's my own, po- again, positive immigrant bias, but I kind of feel like that would be something that you said an immigrant would be more apt to do than, uh, than someone who's, who's been living down the street his whole life. But I don't know. What's your yeah, possibly. On possibly. Um, possibly. And I think anybody that's experienced um, the English weather um, would, would, uh, would be positively encouraged to to <laughs> to leave the country, and I mean that in complete jest. But but on a on a more serious note, I think there's a couple of things that um, underlie a decision to move overseas. One is you you have to be sort of a natural risk taker, and I think uh, if you're a natural risk taker, then you are uh, by by virtue of that. You are you are possibly somebody that is going to do well and you know do all the things that you you just explained about as being um, associated with people that that, that um, you know that that migrate from their country and live in America. Um, and the second thing is is something which is perhaps a little bit more subtle, but that you always know that you have the safety net of your home nation. And right. it's it's really easy to jump for a ring, you know, in a circus when there's a safety net there. It's not so easy to jump for that ring from a high wire act when there is no net. And and I think you do things differently um, when you know that you still have the safety net of your home nation. And um, and and that and that's maybe a subtlety to, to folks that, that, that leave their homeland to, you know, to travel to America that, that is maybe lost. 
Right, we're going to yeah, after Chris, the break uh, we're come know, back to that that topic of of kind of the plan B. The, you know, I was reading this morning that after the presidential debate a couple of days ago, the the lines have been much longer to get passports and people that have double citizenship and so forth are actually considered going back or or, or leaving. We're going to come back after the break. We're going to take a call. We have a couple of text questions as well. Our topic on equal footing this week is whose land. Whose land is this anyway? Immigration in contemporary America. We'll be right back. The number is 718-303-9090 to ask our guests, Chris Jones and Ricardo Sidali, questions on the immigration, immigrants' experience in contemporary America. We'll be right back. What would it be and would you call it to his face If you were faced with him in all his glory Are you a small or medium-sized business owner who wants to provide a low-cost, effective health benefit for your employees? Or a school administrator who wants to ensure all of your students have the proper vaccines? Or maybe you're a parent trying to keep your family's medical records up to date. Well, welcome to DocuVax, an easy-to-use digital locker accessible on your laptop or smartphone that allows you to safely store and validate basic medical information, including immunization records, lab results, even x-rays and MRIs. Gone are the days of losing time tracking down old medical records or sharing test results with a new healthcare provider. The DocuVax system covers over 60 different important elements of your medical profile, from flu and tetanus vaccines to colorectal and breast cancer screenings to blood type and allergies. To sign up, Go to www.docuvax.com or call 833-859-1933. For as little as $9.99 per month, DocuVax subscribers can privately access all of their medical records from a secure HIPAA-compliant digital storage facility. And as a DocuVax subscriber, medical professionals are on call for you 24 hours a day to validate your vaccine records, blood tests, or anything else in your locker. DocuVax medical data is never accessible unless the individual subscriber wants to share it privately using a proprietary QR code-based system that keeps data secure at all times. So put an end to worrying if you or someone you care about is up to date on a particular vaccine, blood test, or an important preventative screening. Take control of your medical file and sign up at DocuVax.com. And if your organization is interested in learning about becoming a DocuVax sponsor to get group discounts, please call 833-859-1933. That's 833-859-1933. Operators are standing by. Welcome back to Equal Footing. I'm Dove Tuzman. We're talking about the immigrants' experience in contemporary America. We're having a little bit of an immigrant party here. We've got Ricardo Cidale, his ancestor is immigrant from Brazil, his ancestor is from Portugal, Chris Jones from the U.K. is calling from London. Uh, my, my ancestors came from uh, Poland on one side, Colombia on the other, and even further back, North Africa. So, you know, this is an apropos time right now in our 
political and economic dialogue in this country to be talking about immigration, immigrant exceptionalism on the positive side, contribution in terms of jobs, ability to really make, uh, not only make it here, but help others, uh, you know, benefit economically from their presence. It's also on the downside a, it's an area, it's a, it's a sinecure, it's a lightning rod for unfortunate, uh, you know, bigotry and, um, and, and, and prejudice, and we've seen uh, how that's been capitalized in the, in the political debate. We're going to take a caller. We have a couple of text questions for Chris Jones and Ricardo Sedale on immigration in contemporary America. Stan, I think you are on the line. Can you hear us, Stan? I hear you. Do you hear me? We hear you loud and clear. I, I'm in the United States. I'm not uh, <laughs> somewhere out of the country. <laughs> anyway, uh, good to talk to you as always. Uh, I have a problem with these gentlemen, and it's a logical one as far as I could see. Uh, one of them stated, I think he stated, that he wanted to legalize illegal immigration. Is that right? That's what he said. Am I correct? One of the gentlemen? He wanted to legalize illegal immigration. I heard him say that. I positive here. Yeah, that, well, let me take that. This is Ricardo, and, and I may, it may have been me, although, you know, that's a... It's a very short statement and very uh, common. And Ricardo, if you, if you can speak up a little, that'd be great. Oh, okay. Uh, well, what, what I was saying, uh, what I said before is that I think that it is, you know, a reality. It is what it is, and we keep, you know, they are, these folks are illegally entering the country. In fact, they're transiting in and out of the country for decades, and their numbers, you know, keep, uh, are, are, are very, very high. Many, you know, the numbers are, are there's more people doing that than most of the Central American nations have in population. And yet, uh, we, our policy doesn't try to solve that. So when I say we need, if we're going to allow it, if we're not going to send these people back, you know, by any means, then we need to regulate it. Things that are not regulate tends to illegality, and I'm not talking about undocumented. I'm talking about crime. I'm talking about tax evasion. I'm talking about taking some people's rights that belong to, to somebody that's doing the right thing to someone that, you know, has not done so. That's what I, that's what I meant. Well, the point is this. Both you and the other gentleman the, owns the hotel, is that correct, the hotel, uh, hire use the illegal aliens. And here's the hypocrisy and the contradictory of it. You're both immigrants yourself. And both of you hire illegal aliens. Do you see the contradiction here? Do you see the hypocrisy of what you both do? Uh, why don't you hire or pay them fair wages rather than low wages? And you two gentlemen, I think the one in New York, are immigrants. And you're basically, to some extent, spitting on, your, on the idea of immigration. Or that these people, which I don't necessarily believe should come into the country, you should stand in line. Uh, you know, President Barack Obama, to his credit, exported 2 million people out of this country that were illegal. Now, according to you, he might have been wrong. I don't think so. I am not a fan of Donald Trump. I can't stand him. He's a, he's a detriment to this country. His policy, are you, am I still on? Yeah, we hear you, Stan. His policy, I don't believe in walls, to some extent, is correct. I don't agree with him on 90%. But on immigration, his policy is correct. The two of you, basically... 
Use illegal immigrants and your immigrants yourselves. I hope you see the hypocrisy of what you've been stating. Thank you. Stan, Stan. So let me respond to that. Um, firstly, um, I, I didn't say that I use illegal immigrants. What I said was that I work in an industry that is commonly associated with the use of illegal immigrants. Are they in your um, hotel, sir? No, no, they're not. No. Okay, great. Okay. Um, and, and, and um, you know, I, I, I won't say that un, unwittingly or unknowingly at some stage, you know, in, 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 in any of the number of hotels that I've done that that hasn't happened. But that, that is not a policy that we, uh, we advocate and we certainly don't explore that. So let me just correct you on that point. Okay, sure. You, I wanted to your know. Se- you, your, your second point is... Um, with respect to um, to what Ricardo was saying, is whether or not like the situation or you like the circumstances that America finds itself, the reality is there are hundreds of thousands, millions of people that are undocumented in the United States. And, and ultimately, there has to be a resolution of that situation. You, the resolution can be to turn your head away from it and pretend that it doesn't exist. You can try and deal with it, um, but what you can't do is you can't have a system that on one hand enforces regulation for folks like myself and Ricardo that have both come in and contributed greatly to the American way of life and to the, to the American society, and on the other hand, ignores it. And, and I think the, the point that Ricardo was making is that ultimately you have to reconcile those two. And you either reconcile those two by saying, we're going to kick Chris and Ricardo out, and we're going to abandon the system and anybody can come in, or you have to find some legitimate, reasonable means of addressing the situation that America finds itself in today. I think Stan's question is of a fair one that's on a lot of people's mind. I think it does bring up the, the that that inherent tension in immigration policy. And to, and I want to thank you for your question, Stan. Um, it, if anything, my comma is probably the one to blame because I'm not actually sure that either of you have undocumented workers on your on your payroll. I was more making the point that. In a country where we have millions, in fact, tens of millions or over 10 million undocumented uh, workers that are contributing in different uh, businesses and that are, in fact, essential for certain businesses to function, we need to we need to resolve that hypocrisy. So I think I'm I'm on board with what you're what you're saying, Chris. Ricardo, were you going further than that? Were you saying like all you know, uh, omnibus amnesty for all undocumented workers? I, you know, I think amnesty again. Let me let me uh, first of all let me confirm that I I also do not uh, employ any uh, undocumented or illegal or people that are here illegally. Uh, but Stan's point is very valid. I totally get it, Stan. You know, even though not maybe just two guys here, but yes, I get it. The other thing I want to say is that you know I know a lot of illegal, you know, undocumented people 
in, in here, uh, in, in the country. And I'm telling you what, these people work very, very hard. And, and, and they're very good people. They have really good values. And, and the reason that they are undocumented is they, they can't find the path to it. Now, is it amnesty? Uh, you know, I don't know. That's, that's a very simple word. Does that come with conditions? Does that come, is there a, you know, is there a series of things that one needs to do to get to their, to their amnesty point? As, as, as from time to time, uh, somebody in Congress, uh, uh, uh proposes? Uh, I don't know. You know, I, 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 I think it should be. I think it's unfair. I mean, my gut feeling is that, look, it took me 47 years to become an American citizen, and I did everything that was right, you know, uh, or, 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 or that they told me to do. Uh, so everybody else should do the same thing. And, you know, and I, and I came from Latin America. I came from Brazil. It's, a, it's one of the farthest countries to come from, you know. So, but, you know, to, to be realistic, uh, that's not going to happen, right? So there's got to be there's going to be a humane solution. There's going to be you can't send 20, 25 million people back. So uh, to my point, I believe that there's got to be a path to legality because society as a whole will benefit, be it economically, be it culturally, be it um, you know uh, uh, from from a security point of view. From you know all these problems that we hear about, we'll 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 have identified who these people are. They'll be taxpayers, and it'll be more likely to quote unquote integrate and participate in the culture as a whole. Yeah, and, and, so, and I think um, I think sorry, Dad, I think I would add one more thing, uh, Ricardo, is that, that that that's the generation of uh, of, of folks that we know about. There, there are also families associated with that, kids associated with that, and, and over the years, you know, the, the pyramid is growing and growing and growing. And, and you then have very, um, you know, very considerable, you know, humanitarian issues to worry about. Um, and, and ultimately, there is only one solution to it, which is to try and formalize it in some way, um, albeit it, it's going to be different to the processes that we've both been through. So both of you came to the United States with a certain sense of a, a leg up. You both had advanced degrees. You both had had success rightfully in, in, your, own, in your own land. Uh, I want to read a quote and then ask a question that's coming by text, and then we're going we're to pick up another caller on this topic of whose land is this anyway, immigration in contemporary America. So listen to this carefully, because I think this quote actually distills the issue we're talking about of the, the dual, the different types of immigration, how we reconcile those two, or do we have a built-in hypocrisy. The bosom of America is open to receive not only the opulent and respected stranger, but the oppressed and persecuted of all nations and all religions, whom we shall welcome to a participation of all of our rights and privileges, for this is who we are. That was George Washington. That wasn't Barack Obama. It wasn't Martin Luther King. It wasn't another activist who was out there crusading for social justice in our time or in, in, in what we would talk about contemporary America. That was George Washington and getting at the essence of 
what this country about is about. Now, I think that segues well into into a, a, a text uh, question um, that that we have, and this is from anonymous in the Bronx. And the the comments last question is why is this discussion about economics? This discussion should be about ethics. We're the only country in the world that accepts people not based on what they can give, but what we can give them. Now, maybe it's unfair, and I, you know, I know you're a naturalized American citizen, Ricardo, you know, but obviously, Chris, you come from a, a country that, that holds that hold many of these ideals as well. Are we wrong to have even the frame of this conversation? Do we get it wrong? We've been talking about... The, the, the pros and cons economically and kind of the exceptionalism that exists and some of the problems, maybe taking American jobs, et cetera. Maybe this is actually at the core of what this country was, was set to do and that the entire conversation is really a one about, about ethics, about being a, a, a place to receive what is the quote on the, you know, the uh, Statue of Liberty, to, to, to receive the huddled masses. What do you think, Chris? I, I think it's a. Um, I think it, it actually under, actually underpins the whole American society. I completely agree with it. Where I don't agree is America is not the only country that does that. There, there are many countries that that accept other nations in. Um, I think America. The difference with, with America is America was was founded on those principles. Um, and hold those principles as, uh, as as fundamental to its 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 very society, and that and that in itself is um, is an interesting um, you know juxtaposition because um, you know at some stage every single person uh, other than you know Native Americans emigrated to America. Uh, that that's how America you know became what it is and that that underpins its value system so the juxtaposition is that we now find ourselves having this debate about whether this is right or wrong when this is actually the basis for for america's existence do i buy that uh, uh yes I, I buy that i mean i'm a product of that uh, uh the attractiveness you know, of, of America when I was just a boy, you know, growing up in this shiny, you know, mountain, this shiny land that, that you know, that, that had the right principles, had the, that, that, you know, that send uh, men to the moon and all of those things. Part of that was the openness that it had to immigrants because I knew that with hard work, I too could go there. I Two could participate on that, and that's exactly what I did. So I, I, I absolutely think that's the right thing to do. However, to, you know, bring, coming back to today, and today not not the last four years, but the last maybe ten years or fifteen years, you know, we're seeing that this the, the system is not working, right? The, the 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 our definition of who comes in, our definition of being humane, and 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 and. and and so on has expanded so much that we are in borderline, uh, you know, uh, a welfare state now, you know, for immigrants and non-immigrants, by the way. And so that makes the whole system, you know, strained. 
and causes tension, causes heat, causes, you know, divisiveness. And, and we have to deal with that. And, and frankly, we're not doing a very good job. In fact, we, we are increasingly doing a worse job at that. You know, Ricardo, you and I are similar ages, and I think you're referring to that beautiful quote by Ronald Reagan, who I'm not a fan of across the board, but said, America is and always will be a shining city on a hill. And I think that that's really America at its, at its best. I can't resist to take this question. It just came in a text question. This is anonymous from Philadelphia, clarifying anonymous from an anonymous sanctuary city. I guess I just blew the, the anonymity of the city, though. Also a child of immigrants. So listen carefully to this question, guys. I think it's interesting. It addresses Stan's question before, and we're going we're gonna to be we're short on time here, so I ask you to quickly respond to this. This anonymous from Philadelphia says, I have many employees in a very labor-intensive unionized company with well-paying jobs and benefits. I have struggled for years to find sufficient staff. Unbeknownst to me, a few employees came to me with bad documents, and I hired them. ICE, which is the immigration authority at the federal level in the United States, for those of you who don't know, ICE came in to bust us, and we have suffered enormously. Trump seems to have a new commitment to toughening policy and actions on immigration. On immigration. These guys want to work longer. I assume he's talking about immigrants, undocumented immigrants. These guys want to work longer and harder than 80% of my staff. These immigrants that are undocumented have paid taxes with me for 15 years to a fund they'll never benefit from. It breaks my heart to terminate them. So my question is, do we expect a change in policy if we are lucky enough to have a new president? So uh, this is, I know on this, in this conversation, both of you said you don't have undocumented workers. But all three of us, I've been an entrepreneur for over 20 years, had many businesses, bought a couple of companies, public and stake stock exchanges here. We all know businesses that have been built on the back of undocumented labor in this country. And I agree with this texter that, you know, sometimes they're the hardest working people in the business, and sometimes you almost feel like your business, they're the bedrock of your business. So without getting the politics of the election, you know, do you agree? In a certain sense, advocate we were talking about before, I mean, isn't there a place or for, or do we, do we need to just legalize across the board and then lift benefits and so forth and adjust from a social policy perspective? We just have a, we just have time for quick responses, guys. I'm sorry. So you know, quickly, two of you, how do you feel about that? So, Doug, the, the, for me, the, the the key point there is the the person that wrote that. And by the way, I agree with that. Says that that he unbeknownst to them, that's the key thing. And um, for me, that that that's a, that's a, a most unfortunate situation that that uh, that hopefully gets corrected through a policy change. Well, I think we're actually going to have to, to end on that. God willing, this does get corrected. This is a complex issue, and I wanted to talk about it in a way that wasn't overtly political. Chris Jones, Ricardo Sadella, thank you for being on Equal Footing. Uh, we will be back next week. Stay safe, and we'll see you next week. God bless.